We're so glad to have everyone here today. If you're a guest with us, we're so glad you've taken time to come and worship with us today on this Sunday morning. We're so glad you're here. We want you to feel welcomed being here today. Amen. If you're watching us this morning on theantioch.com, whether it's live or archived, we welcome you into our sanctuary. We pray that you're blessed by what you see here and feel. Amen. There are too many guests here to even start to name all the dignitaries and all the big wigs we got here today. When the bishop comes on Sunday morning, you know we're in trouble. So I don't even want to start trying to name them because I'll probably forget somebody. But it's an honor to have all of these wonderful men of God that are staying over for call to war and here today. We give honor to each and every one of them. Praise God. If you're able, physically able to stand, would you stand? This is such a great honor, thrill. Now it's got to the point where he's been here so much. When he's not here, it feels like something's missing. And so it is an honor and a thrill to have back with us. We missed him last week. We missed him last week, didn't we, folks? We missed him last week. Brother Morgan's back with us. Would you put your hands together and welcome Brother Morgan as he comes to minister? Praise God. Would you clap your hands under the Lord? What a great presence that's here right now. Come on, let's do it some more. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Surely the King of Kings is in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to run as quickly as humanly possible here this morning. I uh, feel absolutely full of what God is wanting to do, is doing. Uh, I did miss being here last week. I was unable to watch Sunday morning, but I did watch Sunday night, and I shouted with you and rejoiced with you. Uh, We're on the same team. And I salute the team today. Amen. To every man of God, Bishop Wright, and uh, Sister Wright, and friends of mine that are here today, uh, new friends, Brother Jackson, my Philippine friend, Brother Dylan, and the list goes on and on. Brother Shelton, all of you great, wonderful men of God, I salute you in Jesus' name. Those are not just words. I do it in Jesus' name. I'm glad that we're on the same team here today. Amen. Amen. And I honor the Lord Jesus Christ. What a wonderful presence of the Lord. I, I want to deliver uh, my heart here today. And uh, I, I uh, several weeks ago, was preaching uh, for a man that this church is acquainted with. And on a Saturday night, I asked to go directly to my room and uh, walked in, dimmed the lights, and turned a preaching uh, video on and began to set the mood for a season of prayer. And I had no more sat down at the desk and opened my Bible than I felt the wonderful presence of God. And if I have ever heard the Lord speak to me, he spoke to me on that night. And he said, from this moment on, everywhere you go, you must tell them three things. Number one, you must tell them who I am. Number two, you must tell them who they are. And number three, tell them where they're going. And so everything that I do from that moment until the rapture will, will be of those three things. I want to know who I am. I want to be reminded of who he is. And God forbid we ever forget where we're headed. 
We'll work on that. Galatians uh, chapter number 4. If you'll just mark that. We we are going to go to there. We're not going to read, but Galatians chapter 4. And then I want to read from 1 John, 1 John chapter number 3. And then the book of Revelation, uh, that great book, uh, chapter number 22. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father, shout Father. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called... There you are, the sons of God, therefore the world knoweth us not. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Behold, what manner of love the Father has shown upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because it didn't even know him. Beloved, we are now even the sons of God, but it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he doth appear, we shall be like him. The book of Revelation, chapter 22, just one simple verse, verse number 17 Revelation twenty two seventeen and the spirit and the bride and the spirit and the bride say come and the spirit and the bride say come do not misunderstand my title here today but allow me to fully explain it how I feel it I want to preach to you for the next few moments on the kingdom's crisis the kingdom's crisis. Father, we love you today. You have already moved among us and on us. We glorify your name. We worship you here today with a fervent heart. We have sought you early. You are here to do what only you have the power to do. Anoint my mind, my body, and anoint this ear of this congregation to hear what you have to say. Would you clap your hands and would you give the Lord great praise here today before you're being seated. Come on, really, really give him that wonderful, wonderful, wonderful praise. You may be seated in Jesus' name. A little fellow walked into a place of business many years ago before the days, before the days of telephones and the days of the internet and texting and so on. He was applying for a job at a telegraph office, and into that office he walked. There were several others like him already present waiting to be interviewed from the guy behind the closed door. The young fellow sat there for a few moments, looked around, began to hear something. He got up, opened the closed door, walked in, and a few moments later walked out with the boss. The boss then looked at all the other young men that had applied for the same job and said, you are formally dismissed. You are no longer required to be here today. A few of them began to grumble and said, well, we thought you had an opening. He said, I did. I just filled it. And they said, but it was unfair. You, you didn't let us interview. He said, but I did. And they said, no, sir, we've been sitting here for over an hour waiting on you to come out of that door and talk to us. And we have patiently waited. 
and you are an unfair man. He said, no. He said, for over an hour, I've been tapping out on the telegraph into this office. If you can hear this, please open the door and come in. I am convinced today that the Holy Ghost is speaking to the church. I am convinced today that the Spirit of God has somewhat to say to the church. What I am struggling with is our ability to rightfully discern among the clamor of life and the clamor of church. I am, I am somewhat concerned today that what the Holy Ghost really wants to do among us, we seemingly, as of this moment, cannot fully fathom nor wrap our head around the fact that God has built a great church. That God is in control of this great church. That when he built it, he built it and designed it with victory, never defeat. I heard it said recently that we had read the back of the book and we understand that we are winners. And I contend that I read the front of the book and contend that we are winners. It doesn't take the reading of the end of the book to understand that we are victorious and winners. If you rightfully discern and read the beginning of the book, in the beginning, God said, and it was so. Will you help me this morning? In the beginning, God said, and it was so. What a revelation of truth that whatever God says, it will be so. Devils can't stop it. Time can't stop it. Intimidating, warring spirits cannot stop it. Whatever God says, God is big enough. God is great enough to do. The prophet Amos in 8 and 11 of the Old Testament said it like this. There'll be a day before the rapture of the church that the world's greatest famine would be felt and recognized. But he did not say it would be a famine for food or for wealth. He said it will be a famine for the hearing of the word of God. And today in the midst of the world's greatest famine, I contend God has never talked more loudly or more clearly or more precisely to the church. Up on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall you're going to have to help me today. Shall not. Hallelujah. I contend today that the church is at its greatest moment. Though we are in a crisis, the church is at its greatest moment. Though we may not fully understand who we are totally as of yet. The church is at its greatest moment because God ordains seasons and God ordains moments where the light of revelation will come and the full revelation of who we are will dawn on this apostolic people. And I contend that that's what God is doing among this congregation. That God is lifting you above and God is pulling you out and God is highlighting what his objective and what his purpose is in your life. You're not a dead Pentecostal people. You are not yesterday's news. But you are the light of this present world. You are the city that cannot be hid. You're the salt that has not lost its savor. Come on church. We are the church of Jesus Christ. Come 
Come on, clap your hands. Give God voice in this place. Hallelujah. There has always been the secrecy of God at work. We understand that in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. The Bible then goes on to say in 1 and 2 that the evening and the morning were the first day. And the evening and the morning were the second day. Somehow in our intellect among Pentecostal thinking, we think the day starts at the breaking of day. But it doesn't start that way. It starts when the sun sets. When there is nothing but darkness that masks what God is up to. I have lived long enough and went through enough to know that the daylight only reveals what the darkness has masked. I have lived for God long enough and survived enough to understand that weeping may endure for a season, but joy cometh in the morning. Not that the morning changes it, but that the morning reveals it. And I have learned that out of the darkness, God does His finest and God does his best. Come on, congregation. And the evening and the morning were the first. And the evening and the morning were the second. God masked his work in the cloak of darkness. Because it is in that secrecy that God wants to work. It is when no man can see. It is when no man can claim. It's when no man can build a personal kingdom. It's when no man can say, look what I and God have done. It's God at work all by himself. It's God at work all for himself. Hello, congregation. It's God doing what God's big enough to do. I read the book of Exodus and I like, I like how God's people come out. I like how they walked across on dry land. But I think my Sunday school teacher may have had it wrong. Hello, got quiet there. I think she may have misled me just a little bit because she convinced me that as soon as the prophet's feet touched the shore or the banks of that river, that it rolled back, that it was an immediate miracle. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says he calls them to weave into the evening time. And he had them open their tents and drive the stakes in their tents. And the Bible says, and he caused, shout he caused, shout he caused, he caused a strong east wind to blow all night. And while they were in their tents and the darkness had descended and they could not see what God was up to, but they could only feel what God was doing. And it seemed chaotic and it seemed destructive until the morning and the preacher touched it and it rolled back. It wasn't an instant miracle. It was the revelation of what God had already been doing in the dark. And I walked to this pulpit this morning and I'm telling this church that there may have been a season of darkness. There may have been a moment when you thought things were falling apart. But God, I said, but God was doing his greatest. And this is the season that God is going to reveal. I didn't come to preach something pretty. I come to tell you, this is your hour. This is your moment. Don't you dare sit there and miss it. Don't, 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 don't.
Come on, throw your hands up, your voices up. Who am I? Who do men say that I am? Some say that thou art Elias. Some say that thou art one of the prophets. And Jesus said unto them, No, no. Who do you say I am? The mystery of God was hid from the beginning of time. Colossians lets us to know what the mystery was. It's Christ in us. The hope of glory. Paul then said, I am made a minister of the mystery. It is my job. It is my mandate to preach. And to bring the revelation of the mystery of yesterday into the knowledge of now. That is the cloak of the God that we serve. He's kind of hard to find at times. It seems. It seems. And when he looked at his disciples and asked them the question, who am I? He was trying to teach them a revelation. He was trying to impart into them what they were going to need to fully accomplish the task of which the Holy Ghost had sent him to do. He understood that my time is only for 33 and one half years. And I've got to impart into you who I am. I've got to convince you of who you are. Because it's not enough. Hear me Pentecostals. It's not enough just to know who Jesus is. And you're looking at a young man that was born and raised on this apostolic truth. I am fourth generation, one God, apostolic, tongue-talking, holy, rolling, born-again, heaven-bound believer. I've got four boys that are fifth generation Pentecostals. And I'm telling you, if God carries my grandbabies, we'll be sixth. And their babies will be seventh. Just needed hell to hear that. But when the Holy Ghost looked at those disciples, he said, who am I? You've got to know who I am. They said, Jeremiah or Elias. He shook his head. And finally, that preacher Peter said, I think I know who you are. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And I can imagine that man Christ moving his shoulders a little bit saying, mm, that's part of it. That's the greater part of it. But there's more to it than just that. And if I could sing, I would start singing right now. The mighty God is Jesus. The Prince of Peace is He. The everlasting Father. King eternally. Wonderful in wisdom. By whom all things were made. For in Him... For in Him, for in Him, don't let me bore you. For in Him, for in Him, I can't go any further till I know you believe it's all in Him. Not a whole. Young people, there's no God like your God. Young people, there's no God except your God. He's not a second part. He's not a third part. He's not just part of. But in Him dwelt the fullness of the Godhead. Somebody help me right now. To wit, God was in Christ 
reconciling the world unto himself. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And without the word, nothing, nothing. There was a day that gets some of you excited. There was a day, that's all she wrote. We'd have had a Holy Ghost blow up right there. Boom, gone. If it was biblical, we'd just drop the mic. But that's what Jesus knew. And he said, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father, which is... Hold it. Jesus looked at Peter and said, who am I? And Peter said, thou art... The Christ, the Christo, the embodiment of, the fullness of, the totality of, the all in all of. And Jesus looked at him and said, blessed art thou, Simon. I know who your daddy is. I know who his daddy was. I know who his daddy was. Watch me. I'll give it to you in the Bible verse. You'll recognize my sheep know my voice. My sheep know my voice. I am not a stranger unto them, and they are not a stranger unto me. I am among them, and they are in me. I am in them. We become one and the same. Beloved, it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but this one thing I know. Stop looking for the future to become everything that we already are. I'll say it again. We have built a culture in Pentecost where everything that we're going to be is futuristic. That's not the book that I read. Everything that we're supposed to be is here and now because we can't be totally like him until the church. But beloved, you are now even. you got to help me today. Beloved, you are now even the sons of God. Somebody ought to be clapping. Somebody ought to be talking in tongues. We got to get a revelation who we are. Okay. All right, here we go. Here we go. I say unto thee that thou art Peter. Who am I? You are Jesus. Boy, you're slow. Who am I? You are Christ. And Christ says, Thou art Simon Barjona. Two parts of a whole. But it takes death, burial, and resurrection. It takes repentance, water, baptism, and infilling. I contend that the full revelation of the Godhead is tripart. Who He is, His knowledge of who we are, and the third and the final, who we are. I know. You think I'm preaching false doctrine. Who am I? Say it. Thank you. Thou, that's a perfect analogy, thou art Simon Barjona. And if that would have been all it was supposed to be, he would have reached into his pocket at that moment and pulled out the keys and said, that is enough. But he didn't. Because the kingdom was born in secrecy. The sons of God are born in the cloak of darkness. 
and it takes a definitive moment only God orchestrates to define and highlight for us. And I say, A-L-S-O. Also, that thou art Peter. You don't think Peter knew who he was? He didn't. He thought he was a fisherman. He thought he was a weak, carnal, cussing preacher. You don't have to stay quiet. And so he said, you know me. I know you. But the problem, you don't know you. And we've come to church all my life and sing and clap and shout it. And had great church. And rightfully so. Because the greatest and the ultimate foundation is who the mighty God is. But when the mighty God poured himself into the man Christ. He didn't pour almost all. He poured all of all. Then how come Jesus looked at the church and said I am going to be in you. Don't, don't, don't get mad at me. Please. Please don't get mad at me. But the posture of Pentecost needs to change. I'm just going to wait. See how brave I want to be today. If I walked up to one of my boys and put my pocket, put my hand in my pocket like this and went... Do that for me. We act like you're gonna give that to me. Just stand up. Act like you're gonna pull it out of your pocket. Hand. Do it again. You know what that tells me? This ain't right. Because he's wanting to do good to me, but my perception of him is an abusive father. to moving amongst us. Starting to feel like the Lone Ranger. Can I have a Tonto? How come? Because our perception of our father is of that of an abusive role. You do that, he'll kill you. You do that, he'll rebuke you. You better get his attention. You And there are times I have pulled this off my waist and wore my boys' behinds out. For all of you Dr. Spock fans, you're probably not going to like that. But I believe in that. But there has never been a time in 26 years of my oldest, 24, my second, 18, almost 19, and my number three, and 15 of my number four, have I ever used a hand toward them? Because in my little daddy mind, I thought, I want my hand to be that of good things. I want my hand to be that of good tidings. I'll use something to discipline them, but never my hand. And so therefore, when I reach toward them with my hand, they never recoil. 
God is in this place at this season to reveal to this congregation who He really is. Who am I? You're the Christ. Blessed art thou. Also, also thou art Peter. Peter, Peter, come here, Brother Stu. Peter, Peter, I want to give you something. I want to give you something. I want to give you a key to my kingdom. And it's not just a key. It's the key. And here's how this thing's going to work. Whatever you. I know I know this is elementary. Stay with me. Whatever you. Whatever you. Whatever. Again, the posture of Pentecost has got to change. We come here this morning waiting on God to do for us. God's waiting on us to do for him. I watch, I watch, I watch, I watch everywhere I go. I watch how I was raised. I look back. I'm thankful for it. This is not negative. This is God saying the moment has finally come when I'm going to reveal once and for all who I am and who you are. Correct me if I'm wrong. Stay there. Get back up here, God. Don't forsake me. Lord have mercy. It's a bad example. I'm convinced. I'm convinced that God chooses seasons and times according to Ecclesiastics. Genesis 2 says there'll be a time to plant and a time to reap that which is planted. A time of light, a time of darkness. To every one thing, there is the contrast of the other thing. The last time, the last time I stood here, the last time I stood here, I was going home to take my son to uh, his appointment and, and, and to start the incredible destructive nature of modern medicine. And it was heavy. It was heavy, heavy, heavy. Did you hear me? It was heavy. They had told us that there is, there is, uh, this is how it's going to happen. We're just going to radiate the, the, the tumor on the lower part of his spine. But we, we see that up in his upper torso and into his brain that there are caramelization. That is the beginning. That's the formation of tumors. And so according to our numbers, according According to our numbers, we feel absolutely of necessity to radiate his brain. However, the side effects will be long-term, cognizant loss, growth hormone destroyed. He won't be any taller. He won't be any bigger. Whatever level of puberty he is, he'll never get beyond that. He may not talk again. He may not can function again. This is what we were going home to to begin. But on Wednesday when I got up, I'm sorry, on Monday this past week, they said we need to give 48 hours. You have 48 hours to give us an answer. Do we local or do we do what we want to do and cover the whole body? Because if you don't, it will come back. It will live. And so Wednesday was the deadline. Am I boring you? Wednesday was the deadline. I'm trying to hurry. I'm as hungry as you are. Wednesday was the deadline. And when I got up Wednesday morning, thank God the Holy Ghost speaks to the church. Thank God the Holy Ghost speaks to the church. He whispered. He whispered, Stu. He didn't thunder. He just sat down at my coffee with me. He said, don't make a decision. It's mine to make. I don't know what God's doing in my life except this. The revelation that beloved. I am a son of God and that may not do anything for you but it scares the devil out of my world it shakes hell in my world it intimidates the principalities and powers in my world they're not afraid of a Christian they're not afraid of a Pentecostal but they are terrified of a son of God they are terrified of the blood of Jesus Christ pulsating through our bones
The devil's not afraid of this church only. And because he's terrified. Because, beloved, you are the sons. Really? You're going to sit there and look at me and make me preach harder than that? When I just told you that you are the son of God? called my buddy Scott I called your pastor David Wright I said this is it I'm on a time crunch and when I got up the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said it's my decision to make and that whole day I told my wife I said I don't want to talk to anybody I want to walk carefully today I can't miss God whispering to me let me just tell you how me and my boys are every day Every day. They're 15 and 26. Some married, some not. But there's not one day, unless I'm out of the country or absolutely incapable of taking a phone call, that we do not speak. And I do not tell them, Dad loves you. And they respond, I love you too, Dad. And I hope they never outgrow that because Dad's not. Because that is exactly how I love my dad. Oh my God, time flies when you have fun. I said, I can't, I can't get loud. I can't do anything. I can't be, I got to hear God. And he never spoke to me again all day long, but I listened. And about five o'clock, five thirty, Arkansas time, I called my wife and I said, we got to make a decision here. We need to talk, get the boys together. And so I began to gather my family. We're going to do a video conference call. And we're not the best techno people in all the world. So it took us a while to figure out how to do a video conference chat. Like two hours. I was texting people, how do I do this? What do I do? We downloaded like 100 million apps. Finally, I got one that worked. And while I was waiting on my wife's slow Wi-Fi to download the app we were going to use, I heard the little chime go off in my email. And I thought, well, I don't have anything better to do. I might as well read the mail. So I opened it up and I posted this. I'll share it with you if you'd like to see it for proof. I posted it up in just a real short paragraph. said, hi, Dr. Pye. I'm Dr. Pye. I'm your, I'm your boy's doctor. And there's been some new data. And we'd just like to talk to you about it. Call us as soon as you can. And so I'm thinking, oh, God, every time I talk to these jokers, it gets from bad to worse. Do I really want to do this right now? And something just nudged me. And I picked up my phone and I said, hello, Dr. Pye. He said, hello, Mr. Morgan. And I said, now, how did you have my numbers? I put your number in my phone. You're important to me. And I'm like, yeah, sure I am. You just want money. I don't always walk in spirit. And he said, Mr. Morgan, I'd like to share with you what I think could be a mistake. And I got real attentive there. And I said, share on. And he said, well, it goes like this. You see, your son had seven doctors in his surgery. And 
there's a team of us that are world-renowned. And I, I know preachers say things like this, but I'm telling you the truth today. He said, we are, we are the leading. We are the top of our class. And he said, Dr. Chang is from Canada. And Dr. Murphy, and he listened to me. He said, we three have been in disagreement. It's been two to one on how to proceed with your son because of some data that we have. And he said, that's why we recommended highly that we, we touch that brain and we, we just mess up your son real good is what he was trying to say. He said, but however this morning, When the Holy Ghost spoke and said, I'll do it my way. He said, this morning I just happened to pull the report out. And I begin to count the numbers again. I don't know what all this means. He said, but when I counted the numbers, I found. You're going to chuckle, Mr. Morgan. That a bunch of intelligent minds could make a mathematical error. But I have found an error to your favor. We don't have to do this to your son. We're just going to touch the... Beloved, ye are now even the sons of God. There'll be no cognizant loss. There'll be no destruction of a growth hormone. He'll be a little sick, but we can deal with that. Oh, but wait a minute. Wait a minute, it didn't start there. It started two weeks ago when I was supposed to go home to start all this. And they had that baby sit all day long pouring this form to his body. And they put tattoos along his waist to hold him in the exact position. There could be no air. Listen. And when he was supposed to start radiation, they called my wife and they said, you're not going to believe this. It's never happened to us before. But the mold that we poured has sprung a leak. We need your son to come back in here and do this all over again. And she said, I'm sorry. My husband flew me to Arkansas to be with him for a week. And we won't be back till next week. Listen to me. Had it not sprung a leak, they would have had 14 rounds of that junk in my boy's body. And there would have been no retraction. God paused it long enough to let them count. If... Your earthly father, who being evil, wants to do good to you. How much, somebody help me right now. How much more. Come on, church of Antioch. Come on, apostolic church. This is our hour. This is our moment. We know who we are. Let's act like it. I don't have time to finish. Go with me to Galatians. I'm, I'm, I'm done. Go, go with me to Galatians chapter 4, verse number 1. Now I say, are you with me? Now I say that the heir, what's an heir? Future possessor. The owner of, but not quite yet. Is that, is that cool enough? The God of which it's promised to. But he doesn't quite have it yet. That the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from that of a servant. Though he be...
be Lord of all. I'm done. But the Holy Ghost is setting the stage for this moment. There is no difference between the heir and the servant. Though the heir be Lord of all, there's no difference. Verse 2. But as under tutors and governors, say it with me. Say it with me again. Until the time. Say it again. Until the time. Bishop Wright, Pastor Wright, this is what God's doing to this church. The foundation is rock solid. The foundation is so strong, dynamite, calamity, sickness, discord, no weapon in hell or out of hell could rock this foundation. That's the credit to these two people. Labored and sweated and given and given and given and built. But it is not a discredit to the bishop. It is not a discredit to the bishop for some walls to start coming up. And this thing to look a little different. Do not misunderstand the term look. We're not talking doctrinally. That's in the foundation. But everything this man and woman have labored for for almost 40 years. He now gets to turn to his son and say, For the Lord hath allowed me to gather it all. I feel prophetic. But you are going to build the house. Antioch, the house is not built yet. Come on, this is what we need to hear today. Let it flow. You know what the devil's trying to do? He's trying to drive a wedge right here. He's trying to push this. He's trying. It won't happen. It won't happen. It won't happen. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. Some of you elders ought to be on your feet right now shaking your hand at the devil saying, No, sir. We may not run like the rest of them, but we're still vigilant. No, sir. We remember. We sweated. We gave. We loved. We got it. But you young ones ought to be running and juking and jiving and bucking and flipping and flopping. You ought to be saying, this is the day the Lord hath made. I will rejoice. I will be glad. I'm not prophesying gloom and doom, nor am I highlighting any problem. I'm just telling you the devil's wise. But the church is wiser. Well, hit, hit a little something, something right there. So we can either stay here and handle it. We can go and act like it didn't happen. In the year, stay standing. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Galatians 1, 4 continues the saying, you are a son. But there will be a time appointed of the Father of which the transference of all dad's wealth, I'm talking spiritually now, all the transference of dad's wealth will go to the son. 
But dad knows the wisdom. Dad has the wisdom of timing. But the boy has to accept dad's word of the time. Dad knows. But the boy has to accept that dad knows. And the boy had to be in school under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. In the weeks that I have been here, and however long God has me here, I will not cease to tell you your time, your season, your time, your season. Because that is the key word to this church right now. If you miss it, you die. Look up here at me. If you settle for this place, if you settle for what grass that you can feed your cows on here, you will die on this side of Jordan, and you will become nothing but a desolate place and breeding grounds for the demonics. That's what's happening to most of our churches. They do not want to pay the price for apostolic revival. It's easier on this side, not that side. You know where Jesus stepped when he stepped on the Gadareans? Where the two and a half tribes stayed. But it wasn't a, it wasn't a land good for cows then. It was a hog pen. Demoniacs and demons dwelled there. You don't want to stall. You don't want to stay on this side. You don't want to say, this is good enough. Let's don't push on through. You want to have enough tenacity to say, no matter what the cost, we're crossing over. You look up here at this preacher. When the Holy Ghost said 500, he didn't mean 499 and a half. Did you hear me? He didn't mean 11 or 29. He said, I'm going to give you a season of 500. That's going to be the foundation which you'll build the next phase in. Tonight's going to start that. Tonight's going to start that. If you'll bring them, God will fill them. If you'll bring them, God will fill them. The time has come. The Father is saying, now is your time. Now is your Stay standing. I'm done. Five minutes. Your sons... And because your sons, the Father has poured into you. Say it with me. The Father has poured into you His Spirit. And that's when Paul said, Wherefore you cry, Abba, Father. He said, I've given you a pattern of what sonship is. I can do nothing but by my Father. I can do nothing except by my Father. That's the man Christ talking about the Holy Ghost that lived in him. The will of the Father in him. And he said, Now I pray that they become one with me. Like I am one with you. So in other words, this thing can become so transparent that it just falls out of heaven into you and out of you into the earth. When the Holy Ghost, when the Holy Ghost started this miracle, I, I, I'm going to tell you right now, I didn't know what God was going to do. I kept telling people, God's got it, God's got it. I had great faith, but the daddy part of me was weary. And for God to start this thing weeks ago and not tell me about it just proves he's in charge. He's still sovereign. He's going to do it exactly how he wants to do it. And God looks down at churches in general and specifically and says, Okay, this is your time. This is your season. This. Now this. And you must understand and identify God has called me to this place. God has called me to this moment. 
the unison, and I'm, I'm really trying to stop, but the unison of the Spirit and the bride staggers me. Though it took 66 books and thousands of years to get there, at the conclusion of it all, John said, and the Spirit and the bride, and the Spirit and the bride. I wonder what the Holy Ghost is saying to the church that the church is supposed to be saying to the world. I wonder what the Holy Ghost is saying to sickness that the church is supposed to be saying to sickness. But until we get a revelation of our identity, of who we really are, you're going to sit there and you're going to, you, even this morning, right now, you are trying to reason out, well, if God really knew me and if, 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 if the preacher and the bishop and the pastor knew all my calamity and my shortcoming. And I'm not giving you a license to sin, but I read you this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne high and lifted up. His train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each had six wings. Twain that covered his face. Twain he covered his feet. Twain he did fly. One cried. Another said, Holy, 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 the Lord of hosts, the whole earth. And you know the story. Verse 5 says, Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone. Because I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of the people. Without going into a Bible lesson, we know who Uzziah, we know who Isaiah, we know Isaiah 6. The year that this man died, this great man of God finally saw things clearly. The first thing he saw after he died is Isaiah turned again to the Lord. I saw the Lord. It is amazing what God will let die in your life to remove as obstacles or distractions. To give you a clear view of who you are, your identity. I saw the Lord. I got a vision of who He is. Isaiah said, when my distractions were eliminated, I saw the Lord. When I stopped looking to the arm of the flesh, I saw the Lord. When I got my focus off things that man could do for me, I saw the Lord. And immediately after he saw the Lord, he saw himself. Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone. And finally, after he saw God in himself, he got a vision of what he was to do. That, my friend, is Matthew 16. That, my friend, is the role of the church. Whatever God's going to do in the earth today, He's not going to send an angel to do it. Please don't misunderstand what I'm fixing to tell you, but if God's going to do anything in the earth today by His own law, by His own omission, He's going to do it through you and me. It's not that He can't do it different, it's that He won't do it different. I'm done. I don't want any music. I don't want any pumping, any priming. I'm just going to tell it to you like this. Beloved, what manner of love hath the Father shown? You are a son of God. You are a son of God. You are a son of God. And if you are truly a son of God, you look to your elder brother to understand what sonship is really all about. And he stood and said, oh, you think this is something greater works than these shall. I, I'm sorry. I, I know. I'm going to say this and don't misunderstand me. 
This is my opinion of the crisis in the kingdom. We want God to do it all for us. And God wants to do it all through us. I hope this isn't out of place. Here's where it started with me. I know it's 1225 or 1234. You're hungry and I'm hungry. It's 1130. Oh, I got plenty of time then. <laughs> My oldest boy went through a very... Um, dark season. He chose wisely, we thought. Only girl he ever held hands with, the only girl he ever kissed, he married. Madly in love. We thought it was good. I'm not here to dog her. But it, was a, it ended up a bad thing. She made a bad decision. Made some different choices. And I watched this young man, this boy of mine, my firstborn, go through probably or without doubt, one of the most horrendous moments of life. And it had come on the wings of a season of my life where the devil seemed to have all the power. Anybody ever been there? And uh, I was preaching about sons of God and sonship. And while I was preaching, I looked out there and there was my boy. I'm not preaching for beards or against beards. That's, that's these guys' issues. But he let hair on his face grow out and man he was wounded I mean the church had given him this and it seemed like God had taken you, you understand you understand he was sitting there and I was trying to preach and I looked out there and he had his head down and he was weeping and I knew the struggle I knew what was going on and all of a sudden the Lord said I gave him to you I, I gave him to you and I'm trying to preach and had this conversation and sometimes it don't go so well I'm not real ambidextrous. And I'm thinking, what do you mean you gave him to me? I gave him to you. Like Moses and the Lord, you know. They're your people. No, they're your people. And so we're having this conversation. He said, I gave him to you to keep. Keep him. And I said, but God, I'm praying every day. I'm fasting as much as I can. He said, I told you to keep him. And it dawned on me. That's my boy. Wait a minute, that, that's, that's my son. And so, are you, good, you a good sport right there in that black suit? You a good sport? You really a good sport? Okay, I hope you're a good sport. So while I was preaching, a little Holy Ghost boldness got me. And I walked over to him while I was preaching. And he was sitting down and sitting down there. Now if I ruin your suit, I'll buy you a new one, I promise you. And I went just like this, I went, Get down. 
He's an apostolic preacher. Loves God. Worships God. And has probably one of the greatest anointings of any young man I've ever met in my life. You know how it happened? Because I woke up to realize I am a son. I didn't come to play today. I didn't come to act like we're having revival today. I'm telling you in the name of Jesus, you are the son of God. I'm asking this church to take the foundation that you have been built on and stand. Take the foundation that you have been built on and stand. Take the foundation that you have been built on and stand. Stand like a son of God. Stand in power and authority and wisdom and might. If you're here and you're going through it, and I'm not talking about a little toenail problem. Hell has knocked your door in. Hell has breathed upon your life and home. I want you to run to this altar right now. Whether you're a visitor or a saint, run to this altar. Run to this altar. Run. There's some sons of God in this place right now. Don't come kneel. Don't come kneel. Whatever you do, don't come kneel. Come stand. Run. Grab your neighbor's hand. Grab the visitor's hand. Bring them. Bring them. Bring them. It's time for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Come on, elders. That's it. them by the hand and drag them here if it's your baby get them here and if they're not here in body take them by the spiritual hand right now come on elder you know what to do you've been there before let the revelation of sonship let the revelation of the identity of the kingdom of God rest upon this congregation we are not average we are not just anybody, but we are the sons of God. Those of you laying hands on people, if you have been born again of water and spirit, 
If you're walking circumspectly before the Holy Ghost, when you anoint them, when you lay your hands upon them, it too shall come to pass. Open up your mouth, declare the name, declare the power, and declare the will of God for that life. The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. He is of his father, the devil. He is a lying spirit. Come on, sir. Come on, ma'am. Your marriage is being rocked. Hell has it by the throat. But no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Heaven knows. Heaven sees. Heaven declares. Come on, come on, through you, through you, through you, through you. What a foundation we've had this week. What divine impartation of the word of God we've had this week. Now let's stand on that. Yes, 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 beloved, 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 you are now even the sons of God. God is at work. God is at work because his sons are at work. God is at work. you're his because he loves you
I hear it. I hear the sound of authority. I hear the sound of dominion. Come on, sons. Don't recoil right now. Don't recoil right now. He's not reaching to you with an with a arm of rebuke or chastisement. He's trying to give you. He's trying to stand you. He's trying to settle and establish you. Come on, throw your hands up. Lift your voice. Don't recoil from what God's doing to you right now. Come on. Link up with Him. Your season, your moment, your time. The Father has appointed. There's a transference of wealth, provisions, dominion. Yeah, it's been a dark moment. Yeah, it's been a tough time. But God knows what he's doing. The father does all things right. He does all things well. He doesn't have to explain himself to us. Shakata. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. That's right, sis. Receive it. Mm-hmm.
We're, we're not going to dismiss today. Whenever you need to go, God bless you. Thank you for coming. But as long as you want to stay and pray, feel free to do so. As long as the Lord is still moving on you and you're still praying, please feel free to do that. When you need to go, you can just feel free to leave. But we're going to continue in this season of prayer. Let the Lord do what He wants to do till the work is complete.